Hello, listeners. Welcome yeah. to Multimedium. Um, I am your host, Willie, and with me is my illustrious co-host, Mr. Tim Long. Yes, I am here. Tim, how are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. I read a big book. I watched a movie. Yes. I haven't seen in a long time. Same. I'm excited to talk about it. You have read, you've done extra credit this week, though. Yeah, we'll dig into that a little bit. Um, Yeah, we are here to talk about Battle Royale, the original novel, um, and the film adaptation of the novel, which is probably more well-known than the novel itself. But we're going to dig into that. Uh, For those who are joining us for the first time, we are Multimedium. You might have found us through uh, one of our other shows on the Midwest Podcast Network, um, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. If you're a frequent flyer with us, then, well, welcome back. Um, feel free to contact us. We love feedback. We love ideas for new episodes. We love um, just hearing from you guys. It's awesome. Uh, we like interacting with you guys. Um, you can see it, find us on Twitter. Um, we're at Multimedium Pod, I think, is what it is. Multimedium Pod. It's always tricky because of the Twitter thing. You know, they they don't they limit your um your characters both in your posts and your uh, everything else. Well, then you have to put, you have to find a handle that hasn't already been taken by somebody else. True. Or in the this, decade or so, this since is Twitter very has true. Blown up. This yeah. is very true. Yeah. So it's uh it's Multimedium Pod. We're also on um on Facebook and Instagram, and you can email us, uh, multimediumpodcast at gmail.com. So yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. We are always looking for fresh episode ideas and uh, fresh ways to approach the idea of an adaptation. Um, So yeah, send those ideas to us. We'd love it. Um, Yeah, I think we'd just dig right in. Uh, As long as you're good, any other housekeeping we need to cover? I think we're set. No, I think that's it, yeah. Yeah, please check out all of the other shows in the Midwest Podcast Network. We would love for you guys to listen to... Uh, sorry, myself. The, sorry, the cat just scared yes, the crap. Yes, I, I, have, I have two cats, and the uh, large, <laughs> very large black cat just leapt up behind Tim, uh, probably just in his peripheral, and he was. Yeah, I, I need to explain any sort of like squeal I may have made into the microphone. <laughs> yeah. There. <laughs> yeah, he likes to sometimes just come down and watch us. It's very strange. Doesn't he, he do this a lot? Um, everyone. You say he'll, he'll stand there. See, right? I usually see him because yeah, every once in a while he'll come down to the stairwell and just kind of stare in. He stares at you. Usually, yeah, right? he'll just stare. Because yeah, I can't see him from where I'm angled. In the, like, what in the, the hell are you doing? Here? Yeah, he's he's a character. This one. <laughs> um. Anyway. Um, Sorry. Let's. Uh, yeah, but make sure please check out those shows because uh, we 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 do well, we were very hard on them and we love them. Um, horror movie yearbook is Tim and I's uh, other show that we do our more regular show. Um. Please check out the uh, Midwest Game Nerds. They're hilarious and fun and awesome. Um, Midwest Film Nerds has not done anything in a little bit, I don't think. No, right? it's been a little hiatus lately. Been a little hiatus, but yeah, we're, we're Tim and I appear on on that show as well from time to time. Tim more than me, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, check those out, please. All right, Tim. Yeah, let's dig in, man. So, okay. Battle Royale started as a novel, a uh, Japanese novel written by Kushin, uh, Kaushin Takami. Um, now, mind you, I, I'm going to mispronounce some names here. I apologize. I do my best. I'll just say this. If if you think Willie's bad, you're lucky you don't have me. <laughs> um, the book was completed in 1996, but not published until 1999. I believe uh, Takami had some trouble finding a publisher for this book, um, which I understand given the subject matter. I don't think it was an easy sell. Um, 
the book was adapted into a film, which we'll be discussing in 2000, as well as a manga series. Uh, manga is very popular, of course, comic book um, format in Japan and now worldwide, really. Um, so these were the manga and the film were, were released, released in the same uh, year? Yes, the manga began okay. its release in 2000. Now, mind you, the manga is like 150 some chapters long, and we're talking like full comic issues. So it is a run. Is a long comic book run. Are you a manga guy? You're I not. I am right? not a manga yeah, guy. I, I, I struggle with it. I've read a couple. Like I've read um, what's the Battle of Titan? Is that what Attack it's on Titan? Attack on sure. Titan. Sure. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. popular. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read a couple, but um, I've never I've been tried. a big manga guy. I think I've read. I've certainly read Japanese comics before. I've read Akira, um, which I am a fan of, both the uh, manga and the anime. And then I've read um, Domu. Uh, oh, a child's yeah. eye which is one of my like, favorite horror comics ever right um but uh yeah i don't i'm not a manga guy I'm i a, do struggle it's a it's a typical american thing i think for me i do struggle with the way that you have to correct read them. It's very different. tricky yeah it took me a while to get <laughs> so i should say the extra credit that tim mentioned earlier is i did read the manga while we're on the subject i did yeah. read the manga I'm not going to dig too much into it because that's not what we're really discussing here. I'll say the manga is a close is closer to the book than the film is. Um, it adapts a lot more of what the book does. It digs more into the characters like the book does. Um, it is a manga, and so it is beholden to certain tropes of manga that I think uh, readers would be used to. There's a lot more sex and nudity. In, um, I've seen some of the pictures, and it's very graphic. Very, yeah, um, very graphic, and uh, it's very gory, even more so than the movie. I mean, when somebody gets shot, there's pieces flying off and stuff. It's uh, out of the three, it's my least favorite of the the three uh, versions of Battle Royale. Okay. That's not to say I didn't get enjoyment out of it. I did. It's too long for me, if I'm being honest. Um, and I struggled because I'm not used to reading manga, so that's admittedly an issue for me. Um, also, it's adapted, it's translated and adapted by Keith Giffen, who is a comic book writer, yeah. um, and an American comic book writer, and uh, I believe that Viz Media is the publisher, American publisher for the, the adaptation, and uh, he was told to just kind of do what he wanted with it, so like, it's not really a great translation, is my understanding. They change it to being like a reality TV show and weird stuff that isn't... Anyway. Keith Giffen, the co-creator of Lobo. Correct. I knew he was a DC guy. I he didn't wrote know the go. Battle Royale English translation manga. Right. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, it's worth a look if you really, really like Battle Royale or you really like Blood and Guts manga. Otherwise, I think it's not necessary. If I'm being honest, I think the book does a better job and is a lot less over the top. And rigged. there's a, there is a, a sequence though. I will say where two of the high school characters, uh, start Dragon Ball Z fighting. Okay. Like they start shooting like fireballs at each other mm. and it's never explained how this is happening. It just only happens during the one fight and you're like, well, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like it can't help itself, but be manga. Yeah. Sometimes. And it's sometimes to me to the detriment of the story. <laughs> anyway. Um, so in the 90s, uh, Takami came up with the, this idea for Battle Royale, um, as many of us come up with our ideas, uh, through a dream. Um, in an interview in 09, he said that, he said, I was lying in my futon, half asleep, half awake, and I got the mental image of a teacher from a school drama I saw on TV long ago. He said, all right, class, listen up. Now today, I'm going to have you kill each other. 
The image of him grinning as he spoke was so vivid I laughed, but was also terrified. And with just that, I knew I had something to write about. Funny it's a teacher in his dream when it wasn't in the book. Interestingly enough, but yeah, it is in the film. It is in, it is in the film, but also an authority figure in both cases. Sure, but, yeah, yes. absolutely. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes you have those vivid dreams, and I, I think it's cool that that's, that's all it took for him to get started. Very, very cool. Um, his other his other primary influence he stated is The Long Walk by Stephen King uh, by I should say it's by um, Richard Bachman Richard Bachman yes. who is Stephen King's uh, other pen name his pseudonym The Bachman Books yes so uh, I just read that The Long Walk this year I would like to read it it is brutal it is a tough read yeah yeah and it is it is very um, Lord of the Flies very I love Lord of the Flies yeah so. yes yeah, and very Battle Royale it's very much it's kind of like a horror young adult novel in some ways so the, the you can see how that's a, a definite inspiration here for sure cool um it's also inspired by some real life events um in the 60s in japan there were a number of uprisings against police brutality interestingly enough um there was a real serious issue with uh mass uh instant incident instances of police brutality in japan and there were like riots and and a, i think the for the first time in Japan's history, certainly post World War II, there were real, like there was real civil unrest, and uh, Japan um, often is seen as a country of um, properness and manners, and you know what I'm saying. There's yeah. a very, there's a lot of the honor is still a very important part of Japanese culture, um, and uh, so you don't see a lot of the civil unrest. I don't think in Japan, it's just not part of their makeup in a lot of ways which is not a bad thing it's just i i think that that's something that is not terribly common um in certain countries and that certainly lends itself to this kind of youthful um idea of rising up against tyranny in 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 the battle royale novel um and to a lesser extent the film yeah um yeah, this is, yeah I'm, I was just looking at it right now, like the yeah. ANPO, the ANPO protests. And this, oh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. that's new to me, so. Yeah, kind of interesting. It's worth reading up on, honestly. Um, it's it's an interesting time. Japan has an interesting history, really fascinating history. I think all countries do, but Japan I've always been really fascinated by. Mm-hmm. Um, the book was a bestseller, sold over a million copies in Japan in its original run. Very impressive stuff. Um, let's dig into the movie. Yeah. Okay, released in 2000 and directed by Kinji Fukusaku. This will be his final film before he passed. 70 years old when he directed this, right? Insane to me. What a crazy... You can kind of see, though, I think in the movie, and we'll talk about it later, I think you can kind of see maybe a softer... more seasoned touch in some in some areas from the book. You can the book seems like the work of a younger, angrier man. Yes, and the the movie in some ways I think has a little bit in with certain characters, especially. Maybe. I would say especially the the authority figure who is different between the book and the movie. Yes, yeah, uh, yes. yep. That's and I what was alluding to. Yep, I think that I think the authority figure in the movie is actually better and more interesting. Yes. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that. But um, no, I would agree with you. I think there's a softer touch in certain ways with, with this film. Uh, but what was cool about Kenji Fukusaku is he was always, he was a, he was kind of a renegade filmmaker. He was a guy who went against the grain. He made a, a, a mostly known for hyper-violent Yakuza films that, and, and frequently collaborated with Takeshi Kitano, who plays Kitano, the teacher in the film. Um so this was a little bit different for him. 
at the time. And I think that's so cool that he was able to go out with a movie that was, has become, I think such a phenomenon or was for a long time, such a phenomenon. I think it's just really, it's really cool that he was able to, to go out on such a high note and such an interesting piece of work in his body of work. Um, I've seen some of his uh, other films they're definitely rough and tumble. They're very. They're definitely grimy and low budget. And have you seen Doberman Cop? I have not. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. It's not a Doberman. It's like no. a. That's like a. He's nickname. like a tough guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've not. Okay. But I will be now. These are probably all on Tubi. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, roughly six thousand actors auditioned for the film, um, which was narrowed down to eight hundred potential cast members. These finalists were subjected to a six-month period of physical fitness training under the di- supervision of the director. <laughs> Uh, who eventually cast his 42 uh, student characters out of the 800. Uh, what a casting process, though. Holy right. smokes. Um, Fukusaku stated that he decided to direct the film because uh, the novel reminded him of when he was a um, he was 15 years old and he worked in a munitions factory during World War II. Um, his class was made to work in the munitions factory, so they were forced to work <laughs> at 15. Um, in 1945, the factory uh, was attacked, uh, came under fire, and the children did not escape. They couldn't get out. Um, so they were diving under each other to cover themselves. Um, not all of them survived, obviously, and the surviving members had to dispose of their classmates' corpses. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> and yeah. You have to, like, it's an incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fukusaka realized that the Japanese government was lying about World War II and he wound up developing a burning hatred of adults in general that he maintained for a long time afterwards. <laughs> right. So he's kind of the perfect guy to direct this movie. He's got an incredible catalog of very violent, visceral films under his belt. He is somebody who can work on a budget and get what he wants on a budget. He's somebody who is not a fan of authority <laughs> for obvious reasons who's distrusting of authority at the very least. And he's got that mixture of youthful exuberance. And when you see him, anytime you see him in an interview or see him behind the scenes, he's got more energy than the, the kids on this thing. Yeah. It's insane. I watched a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and it's like, the guy is a maniac. Like, it's he's incredible. Now, which version of the uh, movie, which version of the DVD Blu-ray do you have? I have both, both the okay. original theatrical and the director's. I watched the director's cut it admittedly doesn't do a ton of extra stuff. Um, I don't know if that's what you watched or I not. I think so. I've, I have a weird version. at the end. Yeah. Um, some kind of like the three requiems at the end. Yes, that's the so version you watch I watched. The, yes. And it adds some more blood in some of the kill scenes and stuff like that. He CGI'd some more blood in to make it a little bit more uh, intense, I guess. Um, but there's not a lot more than that, if I'm being honest. Okay. Um, I don't think... I prefer the director's cut purely because I think it's what he wanted. That's his vision. So I'm just more curious because mine, the copy I have, I think you gave to me a while back. Mm. Um, I think it came from the Bag of Horror, if you recall, because ah. um, I don't, I didn't actually own a copy of it. But I was curious if there is a good, like, special edition version of this that you would recommend. There is, to and people. I own it. Okay. And if you would like to borrow it and watch the behind the scenes stuff it's also got better y l2 which is remastered okay it's the whole set it's everything so it's the set that yeah and I, I can okay. i can send you a link on amazon no you're cool I, yeah i was just in case in case people out there wanted to watch it or maybe want to see some of the special features because the version i have doesn't have any special features so it's was, very yeah, yeah most of the releases so i import well we'll talk about it we'll get to it most of the versions before this one this is an anchor bay release most of the versions before this one 
um, did not have any sort of anything. And if it was on there, it was not in English. Okay. Um, I should say uh, this: the the version I have is called Battle Royale: The Complete Collection, um, and it's a three disc set um, with a bonus DVD that has two hours of special features on it. Okay. And they are all subtitled. Gotcha. Um, and it's like twenty three bucks on Amazon, new. So there you go. Um, so for uh, Toy, the company who released the film, uh, probably best known, I, I best known by me for the Godzilla films. Um, or no, I'm sorry, that's Toho. I apologize. Toy is Toy. God, what do they do that I love? I don't know. I'm mixing up Toy and Toho. I love. Um, they refused to sell the film to the to any U.S. distributor. Um, they were worried that the film would get involved in legal troubles in the U.S. Um, because of Columbine was the yes. big thing. Yep. And so the rumors that went around, and I believe these rumors for a long time, that this film was banned in the U.S. were not, was not true. Uh, it was not banned in the United States. It was just, there was hesitation to even consider trying to get it distributed in the U.S. Um, it was not distributed in the U.S. until 2010. It took 10 years for this. I'm going to jump to in real released. quick because yes. I found the Toy produced distributor show, and I think what you're thinking, they did uh, Power Rangers. Thank you. VR Troopers. Thank and you. Big Bad Beetleborg. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Sorry for the mix-up on Toy and Toho. Uh, my two uh, favorite uh, uh, film production companies in Japan, clearly. Um, Tim. Yes. I would like to hear your first exposure to Battle Royale. I would assume it's the film... Um. Talk yeah, to oh me. yeah, for yeah. sure. Talk so, to me about the f- movie, the book, the whole nine yards. You're gonna. I'm gonna be. I'm just gonna warn up front. I'm fuzzy on a lot of things on this episode. So <laughs> the well, it's just I, I read. You're the book. fuzzy in general. You got a good beard going. <laughs> yes, very. Um, yeah, I'm a fuzzy man. Um, but I'm gonna be fuzzy. I remember this movie being. I was in college. So probably mid 2000s when I was in school. Okay. And this is one of those movies where I heard about it on message boards for a while. Because yep. message boards were a thing pre like Reddit and social media. I'll come it out and say that's where I first heard of this movie. Yeah. Yep. And people people were talking about it. It was it would be in like the international like a thread called like international films and everybody would talk about it. I believe it was it was one of those ones that got name dropped a ton on Ain't It Cold News, mm-hmm. and a lot of that had to do with it because it was uh, that at the time Ain't It Cold News is based out of Austin, Texas, and that's yeah. where a lot of the draft house stuff and a lot of the a lot of the cool film nerds online yeah. were based out of there. And it's also where I think Tarantino did a lot of interviews, promotion stuff like that. And Tarantino's a big fan of the film. The Tarantino called this calls this one of his favorite movies ever. Am yeah. I correct? And well, he ca- he uh, cast. Um, the actress that plays uh, Chigusa um, in uh, Kill, Bill. Kill Bill, yes, because I think, and I think that was because he was such a fan. Uh, Chiaki Kuriyama, um, Kuriyama, uh, she—that's the actress that he cast. Uh, she is, I think, she plays Gogo in Gogo Yubari, in, I think, in Kill Bill. She's yeah. like, she's like the mini boss before Uma Thurman has to take on uh, Lucy Liu. Yes, yeah, in yeah, that cool scene. Yeah. Um, so. I remember this movie, it was kind of, it was almost legendary by the time I got to it because of, like you said, some a lot of the distribution issues it had and just because of the the 
the explicit violence and just kind of the, the whole aura around it. Yeah. So this was one of those things, and I, I I hope I don't get in trouble for it now. But uh, I lived right next to the library at uh, the college I went to, and I would have to I could steal internet from there from where my apartment was. That's amazing. <laughs> so, but I actually I had to go up there to get a uh, to get to be able to download this if I remember correctly. Like this was a this was something I grabbed. I this believe. is fantastic. Yeah. So this is something I. Well, you couldn't get it, yeah, any other way. Unless you're, uh, we'll get to my story. But this was like a bootleg, if I recall correctly, in the mid to late 2000s. I finally found it, and I think I, I tracked down part two as well somehow, and I do not remember that because I watched that later on. That may have even been a Thomas Video Rental part two when I watched it. Yeah, they had it. Yes. So, um, so anyway, that's the thing. I watched it on my crappy laptop in college for the first time, which I maintain is still the perfect way to watch a lot of these 2000s uh, Japanese movies. That's how I watched uh, 28 Days Later for the first time. Yeah. It was on a crappy laptop, like a bootleg copy because it hadn't hit the States yet. Yes. I was like, I got to see this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I remember I watched it on there and I really like I I liked it, but I never I never fully grasped it this was kind of in the early days of me discovering a lot of like international cinema international horror action stuff like that like martial arts movie and stuff this was this was towards the beginning of me kind of falling into that hole that i i would go on to to watch more of as i as i grew up um so yeah it was it was a movie that that i i liked and i remember thinking like wow this is really like audacious and crazy but I didn't really fully grasp what a lot of it was trying to say until honestly, until a couple of rewatches and then even reading the book this time. So I think that's when I, that's when I started to grasp more of the thematic elements that, that go along with it. And I remember watching part two and being like, Whoa, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> Some of the stuff it's saying. And yeah. That kind of, that watching that actually kind of re- led me to reevaluate part one. Cause when I watched part one, I kind of just approach it as like this, just this off the wall kind of violent crazy of almost exploited exploitation yes. yeah 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 so so or and i was kind of i was like oh i can see why this is Tar- one of tarantino's favorite movies when i watch this but it's not handled the political aspect of it isn't terribly heavy-handed in the film no and it's um, also it's also different for me because it's it's not something that i'm in every day or yeah. was in every day not being in that culture i think so yes yeah um, what about the book? Did you? This is your first time. First reading the time book? I read okay. it was yeah, probably about a month ago now. It was the first cool. time I read it. So and I read the uh, translation. There's a couple different English translations. Yeah, I think out I there. read one of the newer ones. You have right here in front of me. You have the um, uh, Yuji Oniki translation. Yes, which I don't think is in print anymore. I was going to say I have correct. the one that's currently in print, and I think it does a a decent job. I don't know though, but I was able to follow it like no issues. So yeah. it wasn't like an embarrassing translation. I have the Nathan Collins or okay. yeah, yeah, the Nathan Collins tra- translation, which also gets very good reviews on Amazon. So I think you're fine either way. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, my experience was similar to yours in the sense that I <clears throat> discovered about discovered the film or, or the fact the film existed and on message boards, I don't recall which one it was. Um, and uh, I was like, man, that sounds interesting. And I did some Googling and stuff. And there wound up being this English language Battle Royale fan site. And I was like, man, is this as rad as like they're making it out to be? And like, this site had like a breakdown of like every like student and like what weapon they get and what number they are. And like, 
what their background story was and all this stuff. And I'm like, th- like, so I got, <laughs> I got kind of obsessed with like the universe of this before I even like watched the movie. I was like, this looks, su- this is sweet. Like, who- how have I not heard of this? This was probably 2005, 2006, maybe. So a couple years after high school. Yeah, we probably around the same time we would have. Not too far that. off. Yeah. And uh, I finally was able, I, I went on eBay and I found a copy a Kore- of a, a Korean DVD that had one and two in a double two set thing. And these could have been just burned for all I know now, but they looked legit. And uh, it was the only copy I could find that had English subtitles. I said, I'm ordering this. I got to do it. So I, I imported this this DVD and uh, I lent that thing out to everybody. Yeah. Everybody. And the subtitles were not good. The translation was not good. This may have been what I watched, honestly. Because yeah. there were some goofy-ass There's subtitles. Because the, the version I watched was, because I, I texted you during it, I'm like, these subtitles are bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. This it's, may have been what I watched this Did I just around. give you my copy you of Battle Royale? may have given did me- Did I give you the one I imported from Korea? That is possible, because I- yeah, What is it, the cover? Um, It's got a- Is it like the logo of Battle Royale, but it's kind of like, like everything- It's red. Like, and the logo's red, right? Yeah, and it's got beat Takeshi on the front. Man, you might have the copy. I think you may have given me the copy. Because I had a Blu-ray, and I'm like, do you want this? Yeah, yes. Holy shit. Okay, so it wasn't from the bag of horror. So That's you, amazing. I, I watched Excellent. the copy this time around. Then you watched. Uh, did, did, was there a point... When the character with the bulletproof vest gets shot and goes, oh, I'm still alive, does he say my excellent bulletproof vest? Because, I think so. Yeah, yes, yeah. okay. Because I think my... that was around the time when I texted you like, man, this this version, this dub, or I called it a dub, but these Sub, subtitles yeah. are, are rough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, luckily yeah. I've seen it before, so it wasn't amazing, a huge issue. Dude. Yeah. Amazing. Anyway, well, that was fun. Um, what a journey of discovery that was. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I watched that thing about a billion times. Lent it out to everybody I know. Now it's 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 uh, it's with Tim, uh, now and forever, and um, unless he gets a better copy. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I was obsessed with it, and I I I found out it was a book pretty early on. I think through that same site, I knew it was a book. But at that point, there was no English translation of the book. And uh, I remember as soon as they announced that some they were releasing an English translation of the book, I think I pre-ordered it at like uh, at Borders, <laughs> or like like I was like ready. Yeah, I was like a Harry Potter fan at midnight. <laughs> like I was like ready to go, and I read it front to back very quickly, and I loved that too. And I thought it added a new dynamic to some of the stuff in the in the movie. Yeah, man, I'm a Battle Royale fan. Uh, I haven't watched the movie or read the book in a long time. I was very excited to dig back into both of them, um, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a fan. Cool, I'm a fan. All right, so this is uh, this is how we're gonna do it here. Um, I think we're gonna go character by character. Now there are 42 just student characters in this yes. in this story. We are not going to be discussing all 42. We would be here for a long time, and some of them there's not that much to talk about. What we are going to do is break down our lead characters and some of the the key supporting characters in the story. And um, we're just going to kind of go through, talk a little bit about um, the similarities and differences between the both versions, the book and the movie. If you prefer a version of the character, for whatever reason, we'll talk about that. And yeah, let's just do it, man. Yeah. Let's get into it. We have to start out with our boy, our lead hero, our Springsteen fan, Mr. Nanahara Shuya. Um, uh, 
it's always tricky too because they in in Japan at least in in, in this story they always throw out the fir- the last name is the first name like right that's the that's the the part. so his first name if we're looking at it from an English standpoint is Shuya that's what I yeah. refer to him as and Shuya. that's how he, yeah. Well, I, yeah is Shuya Shuya so Shuya's are kind of our lead hero if you will um he is He's got a very similar story and a similar characteristics between both the book and the movie. I think the big difference here is Shuya in the book was is an, is raised in an orphanage from a very young age. Uh, it is his background. That's his that's his childhood is being raised in this orphanage alongside his best friend um, Nobu. And in the film. Shuya doesn't arrive at the orphanage until much later. He's already... This is... I mean, it seems to me like it was a, a year or so before the events of this film that he wound up at the orphanage because his dad committed suicide right. in the film. Um, These and kids have a tragic backstory. Very sad. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and a lot of it revolves around their parents, too. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, we kind of follow Shuya throughout the course... Mostly Shuya throughout the course of the story... And his interactions with our various characters, um, certainly throughout the film, Shuya is our guy, right? The book takes a lot more diverging paths and digs more into like a lot of like the really small kind of supporting characters, and um, but the, even then, it always gets back to Shuya. He's he's very much the lead. That's what I have in my notes for him. I only have a, like a few notes on each of the characters, but I wanted to. I'm glad you brought that up because I I think I even texted you while I was reading it. Shuya though is like he's my anchor. Yes. So when these things, because yes. I'm not the best at handling works with. 40 different characters yeah. especially when it comes to a book with a movie or a TV show I can do it even but even I struggled then but like yeah. when there are a ton of different characters I got to keep track of them and it's from a different culture well, and Japanese names are not always easy to to remember yes. or to yeah it's just for for me for it's, different yeah. yeah different names yeah. different languages it's, Absolutely. it's different for me Shuya is my anchor though like yes. when it came back to those Shuya chapters and those chapters focused on kind of the main two or three characters yes. in the book that's what I want okay but those are also kind of more of the plot development chapters as well right because so, it is kind of a mix the book yeah. between plot development and kind of like actiony scenes too so. yeah there's a nice there's a nice mix for sure and these little vignettes that pop up from time to time where it's like a one chapter thing it's the first and last time you interact with a character and they're done. Right. They're kind of these weirdly like horror vignettes. Like it's kind of fun. I, I don't know. I like that stuff peppered in, but it can definitely confuse you at times. Cause you're like, wait, okay, now I'm with this. Who is this guy? Wait, how does he relate to this? Okay. Now I got it. You know, it takes a hot second. It to, can, yeah. It can take a little bit to get your bearings with this, with the book, especially. Yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> For sure. Um, Shuya in the film is played by uh, Tatsuya Fujiwara, who I think does a phenomenal job. I really like him in the movie. I think he's got a lot of charisma. The thing about Shuya is, Shuya is, he has an incredibly rebellious nature, which you definitely get more of in the book, I think, than the movie. The movie, as great as uh, Fujiwara's performance is, and I do think it's great, I think he's, he, his face and his conviction, like, he's good enough in those scenes where he really has to pull out that emotion that raw emotion that it doesn't matter that you're watching a foreign film or that he's speaking a different language. Like you feel what he's feeling and you get it. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's a strong performance. What I will say though, is I do. <sighs> Shuya in the book 
has a much more rebellious nature about him and a much more, much more more of an anti-authority um, nature about him. Shuya in the film never really because we don't hear his inner thoughts. That's part of it, certainly. But you never really I never really get that from him. Like that he's going to do anything. Like that he has any interest in fighting back against the government. He just wants to kind of get away. Like at yeah. the end of the movie, like there's no. I never get the vibe that he's angry about what's happening he just wants to survive does that make sense like he is angry obviously but he's not there's not that like through line of him saying like when i get out of here i'm gonna get back at these people i think that the movie in general is a little less angry than a lot of the book is yes i think the movie the movie in its own way is weirdly almost irreverent at some point it's kind of yeah especially when it comes to the teacher character i think a lot of times it's it's kind of and and some of the build-up to the program itself but I, uh, there's uh, there's humor throughout, and there's humor in the book as well. Sure, but yes, I, the the movie is a little bit less um, in your face, kind of punk rocky. Yes, like the book, that's what the novel more is. Yes, and I um I should say I this one's kind of toss up for me in terms of which version of Shuya I kind of I kind of prefer. I th- I like both of them. Um, I I can't, but I've, because I saw the film first, I can't unsee Tatsuya Fujiwara as he is Shuya to me. So. He kind of gets the edge, but I do like some of the anti-authority stuff that you get out of his character in the book. That being said, I mean, the reason for why the government, is, the, the base reason for why the government has instituted the Battle Royale Act is is different in the book and the movie. Yeah. It's explained differently, because in the book, it's it's basically like, this is like a totalitarian regime, and they literally just do the Battle Royale Act basically to like remind the people of the country that they're in control. It's to instill We're going to steal fear, your kids. Yeah. Yeah, and we're going to force them to kill each other because we can and because we want to remind you, which is, like, horrifying. I mean, the both versions are horrifying, but that's horrifying. The film version is literally just, like, like the youth is rebelling against adults and they're tired and fed up with their shit. Like, so they're, like, trying to scare them into, like, chilling out. So it's a similar reason, but it's not... There's a lot more of a dystopic, like... Uh, almost, like, quasi-futuristic vibe about the government in the book right it feels like something that's taking place a couple decades removed from now the you know whereas i feel like the movie feels a little more contemporary for its time in my opinion so that that i think informs a lot of the anti-establishment stuff you get from shuya there's just not as much of that in the movie because the the plot isn't revolving around that as much anyway um Anything else about Shuya? The only thing I wanted to mention was the Springsteen fandom because I found yeah. that interesting. And yeah. I'm a Springsteen. Born to Run. I'm a Springsteen. Born, born to Run. He starts the book with- And ends it. And and ends it with, yeah, lyrics from Born to Which Run. Which is so right? cool. Yeah, and, and it does it does fit those characters because Born to Run is kind of this ode to like teenage love and like getting out there and, and be like American teenage love and running. And it <laughs> is. Yes. It is. I love yeah. that. And yeah. freedom and yes. And it's, it's similar to- what our two main characters kind of their story over the course of of the film and it is and it is interesting kind of to watch the intersection between the two cultures japanese and america because they do share all uh, japan and america's we do share a lot in common common these two cultures yeah it is it is in some way it is in some ways a lot the most similar I can think of in some ways is japan to the united states i think i would agree in some ways. well i think that we 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 share a lot of the same cultural touchstones. We like to I'm borrow saying. a lot of their stuff, and they like to borrow a lot of our stuff. I think yes. there's a bit of a trade-off there. So, um, yeah, I love that Born to Run bookends the book. Um, 
in the beginning you almost like the the born to run thing kind of gives you that like feeling of like these are just a bunch of kids having fun and like there's almost there's an element of the born to run song that's like he says that teenage like just like let's go have a good time kind of thing and then at the end they're literally running from the police so there's almost like it, it almost twists the the song in a little bit like a little bit making it more of like a i don't know there's there's an element of like taking that song and uh taking those lyrics and making them like literal at the end of the at the end of the book that i kind of like um it gives you a different vibe from the same song which is kind of fun yeah i just want to bring this a uh, personal story up about born yeah because it just popped in my head i did such a good job singing it karaoke one time that someone bought me a shot so i just want that's to, awesome <laughs> just, want to, just want to throw that out well done. <laughs> thanks well done um let's jump over to our our other lead here uh nariko nakagawa um who is uh kind of paired up with shuya throughout the course of both the book and the film um shuya's best friend nobu who is killed early on um and i must say one of the scenes that i think is improved in the film version Okay, which one is that? Uh, Shuya's best friend in the classroom before the game starts. Uh, oh, yeah. In the book, he's sh- he shot by the soldiers, I believe, or uh, by the 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 government figurehead, uh, he- Kenpatsu Sakamochi, right. um, who we'll talk about in a little bit. In the, in the film, his collar is detonated by Katano. That sets the tone. That's the difference, <laughs> yeah. right? So... And I'm not saying the book doesn't work, but like seeing the effects of those colors right out of the gate and seeing just the sheer violence. Can I tell it, you what I liked about it yeah. too? Is it's not a cartoony head explosion. No. It like bursts out the neck and it like You can hear it's <laughs> his windpipe whistling as the air is escaping from yes. it. It's when I see those collars, the first thing that pops into my head is like, oh, his head's just gonna pop like a balloon yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like but scanners, then, right. But then when you see it in action in this movie, it just the, the blood sprays out from the neck and you're right, it makes a noise and you're just like, Oh god, that's even like that's even worse. It's gnarly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's gnarly. And the panic of him running around the room and just begging anybody to try and help him and they're all like pushing him away because they don't want to yeah. get killed. Yeah, it's terrifying. Um so I think that the scene in the movie for me is like that that that's the preferred version of that scene. But um, Nobu, the, the 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 BFF of Shuya's who gets killed either way, um, uh, has a crush on Noriko. And Noriko kind of has a little bit of a crush on Shuya. So there's a little bit of that going on. Luckily, we don't get into any sort of love triangle, triangle situation because we never get the chance to. Um, right. But uh, Shuya, because of uh nobu's feelings for nariko he decides and because he's a good guy he decides like this is i'm gonna keep her safe like that's that is my number one goal throughout the course of this game right. um and it, all, basically all the events that befall him happen because of his constant attempts to get her to safety and get her out of there um I like Noriko, but I will say um, she does feel not not like a damsel in the movies, but there's a little bit, or in, in the movie or in book, but there's a little bit, she doesn't have a ton of agency. She's never, she's never I've making seen, decisions. Yeah. She does, I think, some occasionally interject in the book when Kawada, the guy that they wind up also hooking up with 
and Shuya get in arguments and butt heads because they have different views about how to handle situations that pop up. There's one situation in particular where um, a couple of classmates are up on a hill using a megaphone to try and, everybody come, we're going to get together, we're not going to kill each other. And Kawada, having survived a previous game, is like, they're going to get killed, they're dumb. And Shuya's like, no, I'm going to go help them. And there's they, they do that a lot in the book. And, and a couple times in the movie, there's an argument that the two of them just don't agree with. Shuya is very much the idealistic one and, and Kawada's realistic and both to a fault in a lot right. of ways. And they wind up kind of balancing each other out as the story goes on, which is cool. The thing with Noriko is she is able to occasionally jump in and say you're both stupid, which is cool. Um, she is the voice of the author, the voice of the reader too, in the true. novel. And, and then she, and like you said, she will kind of cut through the bull, um, which is cool. Yes. Sometimes that can, when, when that is the, the function of a character, it can sometimes make them feel a little bit bland or not as interesting as the other ones around them. And I would say that's the same for Noriko. Noriko yeah. doesn't, Noriko's not even close to the most interesting character or female character in this I was book. Say, she, to me. She's. I have. I feel like I've seen this character a lot in this type of movie. Yes. Yes. And and especially in yeah, kind of. She's kind of the quiet, reserved, shy. Um. I'm. I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not crazy about her. She's not. She. She has a weapons change. I should mention Shuya had a weapons change too in the book. He had a. Uh, what was he? What did he have in the book? He had an army knife in the book, right? Shuya had oh, the army boy. knife. Oh boy, I believe so. And she had the. Uh, she had the boomerang in the. Novel. She had a boomerang. Yes. Yeah, and she doesn't really have. She has like binoculars. She has binoculars. And he has a pot lid. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is so good. So I wanted to ask you this about Noriko though, real quick. Sure. Um, what is the deal with the dream sequence in the movie with her right, and the so teacher? Please explain this. To the, so I, I want to say this. Noriko, again, I, for me, I would say overall in the book, I, pre, I I prefer the book version. Okay. And I'll say why. You get a lot more of that interjection and in her like speaking her mind and telling them they're both idiots. You don't really get any of that in the movie. She just kind of is along for the ride. And Noriko is the one to fucking kill Kiriyama yeah. in the book. I mean, Shogo walks up and shoots him, his his shoots him in the head afterwards. I think to like spare her any sort of guilt of like Having killing somebody. Yeah, he's dead as hell. She shoots him in the in the face. Like, right. but like so, Noriko gets the kill shot, and that guy is hard to kill. Um, yes. Uh, so I think that's very cool. The movie, though, here we go, and we just we were just you just brought it up. Her relationship with. Uh, Kitano, the teacher, mm-hmm. right? I think that does more for the teacher, for the Kitano slash authority figure character than it does for her in terms of making it a more interesting version of that. They're different characters, I guess, but still, you know what I mean? Yes. The same function, the same role. Uh, you kind of asked what my my take on that was, like what the vibe is. Not even, yeah, what the vibe is, or <laughs> whose dream is this? Is This is the teacher's dream, correct? Or is it the... <sighs> that, I'm, I'm confused are... by the whole scene, to be honest with you. I always have been. I've had different readings on it in the past. I've had readings where it was Noriko dreamt of it. I've had readings where he dreamt of it. I've had readings where it was like a shared dream thing. Yeah. Maybe like slightly uh, elevated reality or supernatural borderline. I've also thought maybe it's a memory. Maybe like that this happened. Because he wants her to win in the movie. So he, 
he's got a nasty relationship with his daughter, clearly. He talks to her on the phone a couple times over the course of the film, and she hates him. Mm-hmm. She pretty much tells him that. And so I always get the vibe that, like, Noriko reminds him of his daughter. And because he's clearly failed as an adult and as a father, I think he sees... If he could succeed with her, he'd like redeem himself a little bit. There's a because he's still a human character. Sakamochi, who is the the government stooge in the book, is not a is not a he's character. Nasty, yeah. He's a cartoon, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about him. Um, he's a cartoon. At least Kitano is a character, and I prefer him for that reason. Um, I think it's a memory. I think the two of them have spent time together outside of school and stuff. I don't think it's romantic or on either end. I don't. Yeah, think, I I didn't read it like that either. Sure, I've heard readings on that yeah, though before. I don't. I, I don't think there's a, there's any of that. I think that I we don't know a lot about Noriko's life at all before uh, the events of the movie. I think maybe she sees him as a little bit reminds him of her dad maybe or a father figure of some sort and he reminds her uh, he's she's like a surrogate daughter almost for him and i think the two of them need each other a little bit with that that's the vibe i get is that the two of them just kind of cling to each other because they've got nobody else almost right um and she's a misfit you see that more, more so certainly in the book she's kind of like a neutral girl i think that she even says she's one of the neutral girls or something like that where she's doesn't really hang with any click. She's friends with a little bit of everybody. In the movie, she's like picked on and kind of like um, a bit of an outcast. Um, so that actually lends, I think, itself more even to um, her relationship with Kitano and kind of finding that weird bond that they have. I don't know. Yeah. What was your reading on it? Did you think that? I mean, I... No, I, as I mentioned, I've I've always had I, I, not issues, but I've never really grasped. That it's weird. Scene. It's weird. It, yeah. it, it feels out of place. I did, honestly, I did kind. I kind of um, veer towards the supernatural explanation to the it for whatever dream the shared dream. Yeah. Uh, the shared dream explanation. I think it's kind of cool. I just because, and it's also one of the things where I don't have any other explanation for that scene other than like this is something that they share. It's a borderline psychic experience. Yeah. And I, I love the scene, too, where uh, Kitano comes out into the rain and gives her an umbrella. Yeah. He, like, leaves the school and comes out into the middle of, like, the, the playing field and, like... These are the moments that are, that feel, like we mentioned earlier, that were directed by a 70-year-old man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're kind of touching. Yes. Amidst all this insanity. And from a character who is not a, not a good guy. Right. We just witnessed him blow a, a child's throat up and, sh- and <laughs> throw a knife through another girl's head. Yes. Her head hits that desk so hard, by the way. <laughs> um, anything else on Noriko? I, I, no, I'm good. I'm yeah. good there. Yeah. Um, let's go to our next, uh, the third in our trio of uh, heroes. Trio, yeah. Uh, Shogo Kawada. Shogo, Shogo just, I'm going to say this real quick. He's my favorite of the trio. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Shogo rules. Yeah, Shogo is. I uh, so it had been a while since I'd seen the movie when I was reading the book, and like I went like as I got to his parts, I'm like, oh, that's right, he's the dude that was in the program before. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, uh, we should mention it still uh, worked for me. Uh, Taro Yamamoto is a uh, place Shogo in the film, and uh, I think he rules. Like, yeah. like he's a, he's the other person where I, I can't unsee him. Like when I read the book, I see that actor in the role For because sure. I think he he embodies that role so much to me. Um, I love Shogo, man. Uh, we should mention up front the big difference with Shogo, and this will affect another character we're going to be talking about, is uh, his relationship with the class. 
in the book, Shogo is uh, a relatively new addition to the class, doesn't really know a lot of the kids. Right. But is a, a class, he knows the names and he know, he, like, he's been to school with these kids. In the film, he is a transfer student who's been put in the game basically to spice things up. Yes. Uh, because he survived a previous game. Of course, we learn that he's maneuvered his way into getting back into this game. We, we get that inference that he's found a way to get what back What do you into like better? Which one do you like better? It's, this is tough, man. I, I, it, for me, it's the movie, but only because of the actor. Um, no, it's the book, actually, but it's the book with that actor okay. implanted in my brain. Does that make sense? No, I get what, I get what you're saying. Book I, Shogo I prefer because Book Shogo, you really get to dig in. Like You really feel his... You get a lot of like his anger and his and his passion to like burn it to the ground, like, right. and I love that. I just, um, I think I do kind of, I like the wild card aspect of dropping him it's in cool. the transfer student for whatever reason, and I think it may be me be more drawn to. I kind of like the movie, and I w- almost wish it scaled some of it back, honestly. Yeah. Like just dropping you in with these characters and yeah. saying, like, all right, here you go. Now you're part of Battle Royale. Like you've got to figure it out as you go. Yeah, like the yeah. rest of these. You figure out who to trust. Yeah. Yep, right. Yeah, the rest no, of No, I kids. dig that. No, I, 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 it's a tie for me. I'm just going to, th- okay. this one, this is the hopefully the first and only tie you'll get from me. It probably won't be but i think both versions rule i love how much we can dig into shogo in the book i love that we can get into um i should mention his the other big difference between the book and the film with shogo is what happened during his previous experience in the games um with keiko who is the girl that he was in love with yes um in the book he finds keiko has already been killed during the game he never is able to save her and so he's got this guilt and this like this just deep-seated hatred of himself because he hates himself in the book. Like, mm-hmm. literally his own... He doesn't care if he dies. He doesn't care... He, all he cares about is sticking it to the government and he and the only way he knows how to do that is to screw up their game. Yes. By having there be... Having it not go by their the way that they planned. In this case, getting more than one person off the island. Um... That's all he cares about. And he's busted his ass and like researched the callers and researched their computer. Like Shogo's the one that like hacks in and steals like all the data on the callers and stuff. Like this guy's done his like, and I don't think he was an experienced hacker before. Like he he did the work to like, he hates the government so much that he's like willing to learn all this stuff and like, and risk and wind up losing his life for it. So he's I dedicated think, his life to he, screwing that's up. That's all their he game. cares. Yes, he just wants to screw up the one game. That's mm-hmm. all he cares about. He doesn't even have any plans for afterwards. He doesn't care about what happens after after the game is over. Right. He doesn't. They kind of ask him, "What are you going to do?" And he's like, "I don't know." He's kind of accepted his fate. Yeah. He no. He yeah. he's he's pretty sure he's going to die. Yes. And as long as he gets them off uh, off the island, he doesn't care. Right. So I, I I love that. In the film version, him and Keiko are the last two. They, uh, he keeps her. He, they keep each other alive throughout the course of the game, and when the callers start beeping, when the time limit is reached, um, she shoots him. Yeah. Uh, out of fear, I think I, it doesn't seem like it's a malicious thing, but it's like she's just like I don't want to die, and then he winds up almost reflective, reflexively shooting her and killing her. Yeah. Um, so both tragic and and certainly. Uh, the guilt remains the same, just for a little bit. It's a little bit different. Um, I like the book version better, where he finds her already dead. If I'm being, I like both. I don't know. I like both. It's yeah. tough. 
I like both. Cinematically, I like I do like the image of them holding each other and like you hear the gun go off and he like like holy shit she is. I think that works better in a cinematic right. fashion. So, um, Shogo rules. He chain smokes. He hates the government. Um, <laughs> Shogo in the movie though. See the movie might win, dude. So you're, he chains folks. He hates the government. He's like the John Carpenter of. Uh, What's that? He chain smokes and he hates the government. So he's like yeah, the John Carpenter, John Carpenter in, in, in Japanese teenager form. <laughs> um, Shogo uh, kills the shit out of Kiriyama in the movie, though. Right. That that final like shootout sequence uh, when he when Kiriyama wanders out that of the burning etched in my brain. Yeah. It is like in like and his eye his. Like his tears, pupils have melted, yeah, and yeah. like they're running down yeah. his face, and he's blindly shooting the the machine gun. When Shogo shoots the collar, and it explodes in like yeah. that fountain of, I I like the first time I saw that, I was like, I literally remember pausing it immediately after and going, "Holy shit!" Like, because I was already pretty hyped up by what I was watching to begin with, right? And I like ran it back because I'm like, that was the craziest shit. Run it back, <laughs> run it back. Um, in the in the book, and I can see why they didn't do it in the film probably budgetary um you have this crazy extended like car chase sequence where like kiriyama's chasing them and they're in this van and like shuya's going out the window and shooting guns out the window at kiriyama and kiriyama's shooting back and there is a i do love the ending of that battle then the smarts of shogo in that battle in the book because Maybe that's one thing is I buy Shogo's smarts in the book more than I do in the movie. I love him in the movie, but he seems he's so rough and tumble, and you never get enough of the you never get enough of like the smarts for me in the in the right. I mean, he's handy and he makes some dinner and food and stuff like that. So like he's not an, a numbskull, but like you're never able to dig into that because you don't have the time for it. So it is a very whittled down version of sure, the character. But the yeah, performance just is so down good. To kind of, yeah, down to kind of the bare essentials. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But. That car chase sequence, I love the bit because if you remember right earlier on in the book, uh, Shuya is separated from Noriko and Shogo. And the same with the film. When Kiriyama shows up, he leads Kiriyama away mm-hmm. and winds up at the lighthouse in that whole sequence. And Shogo drives the van with Kiriyama behind them back to the spot where they all split up because he knows that Shuya left a loaded gun. Yeah. The loaded shotgun there. So he drives back knowing that the gun's there so he can finish off Kiriyama. It's so sweet. <laughs> what a badass. Love Shogo. Anything else about Shogo? He rules. Nope. That's it. I'm good there. Yeah, he's the coolest. Um, all right. We're going to knock out a uh, couple gonna, of big ones. I want to knock these out. These are kind of the secondary. To these the, are some to secondary the, yes. student characters. Also, But also have bigger roles. Major too. supporting, I would yes. say. Major supporting characters. These guys would be up for the best supporting role. How right. About that? If the Oscars were cool. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, Kazuo Kiriyama. He's the he's like the Terminator. Kazuo Kiriyama in the movie, dude. at least in the book, there's a little more to him. But okay, I know I said I wouldn't do it. This is a tie for me with these two again. <laughs> I just can't help it. The movie version of Kiriyama is ingrained in my. He's terrifying. I think it's the look of him too. I think it's the too. hair. Yeah, and he's wearing that black suit. 
this is, I think, one of the advantages I think the movie has for me, Battle Royale, is the visual. Yeah, of yeah, it too, of course. Because you get to you get to see them, and I guess you get that in the manga too. But the manga is so, from what I've seen, it's so over the top in some ways and so overly sexual for me that like this, like for me, this this look is like ingrained in my head. Yeah, as like this is what this is what Japanese movies look like in the two thousands. Yes, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and he's and he he's just he's he's a scary son of like. The difference, obviously, the big difference is is we don't get any real origin of Kiriyama in this because he is a transfer student. All we get is the bit where Shogo says this, like he signed up for the fun of it, right? Like he wasn't plucked. Like he, however he made it happen, he was like, I want to go do that, which is terrifying. Right. Um, what are the differences in his backstory in the book in the sure film? so in the in, in the in the book so in, the, in we get no backstory in the movie right we just know that he signed up for fun and he's a scary motherfucker right and like he's he like he takes there's an element of him taking certain amounts of glee in what he's doing in the movie he's he never mute, speaks he's mute in the movie yeah he doesn't yeah. say a single word but he does certain things like they remind me very Michael Myers-y. We talked about this uh, on Horror Movie Yearbook. We recently talked about Halloween Kills and how one of your favorite elements, and mine too, of Michael Myers is the playful element where he 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 silently finds ways to show you that he's in, there's there's gears working and he's enjoying what he's doing. Yes. Kiriyama does stuff like that too. Like, he shoots the girls with a megaphone that we talked about earlier. And he could just leave it at that. But no, he picks up the megaphone and tests to make sure it's working and then sticks it by her mouth as she's groaning in her dying breaths <laughs> and then shoots her more so people can hear it. Yeah. Or the bit where in the beginning when he's being picked on by kind of the tough gang on the on the beach, which is his gang in the book. Yes. Um, yeah, he's a gang leader in the book. In the correct? book, right. Yeah. And uh, they're kind of messing with him and like shoving him and stuff and he's just smirking the whole time. Because like he just... I don't. He's taking glee in what he's doing. In the book, he literally has no. Emo, there's no emotion, and it's explained. There's no. He was in a car accident as a child, as a baby. Yeah. In the was it okay? So he wasn't in the womb. Why did I have it? No, it was in the womb. It was in the womb. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> in the womb, his mother was in a car accident, and part of his brain was damaged from the accident. So that's why he 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 lacks empathy. And, he's got no yeah. the, the 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 piece of of our brain that registers emotion and and empathy and it's, it doesn't work. You're right. And so he's he's smarter in the book too, right? He's hyper intelligent, but right. that's because he has no So well, I guess he's I, not dumb in the movie, I should say, no. but it's just not a, it's not a characteristic. He, he's that he's just a, he's a, he's a he's a slasher villain in the movie. Right. Uh, and and that's fine. And I think it actually, I think streamlining that for the movie is the only way you make that character work, because I don't think you need any of that other stuff. No, that's all backstory. How stuff. do you explain it? Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I, I don't know how you explain no. that. Yeah. Making him a transfer student, unless you put in a scene, like yeah, a few scenes like they do with another. Character. I guess you could, but yeah, I I'm don't with know. you. I would. Um, I think it's a gr- smart move for the movie, and I think it makes. I think that like there's no reason to say he doesn't have this backstory in the movie. We just don't see it. Right. Uh, anyway, but. In the book, yeah, he's he he has that brain damage, and he he just has no empathy, and he because he has no emotional connection to anything, he's good at everything. Because you got to think about it, the things the things that hold us back at getting good at stuff are our own frustrations and self doubt. He has none of that. <laughs> so if he wants to learn the guitar, he can do it very quickly, and then he literally just stops because he doesn't care anymore. Yeah, he's just he's the only thing that still works in his brain is just a pure primordial curiosity about how things work. That's it. Like there's a couple moments in the book where like, he's like fascinated by how somebody dies. 
Like he's like, oh wow, I didn't expect the gore to look like or his intestines to look like that. Like he, it's it's scary stuff. Yes. Um, but at least you get an understanding. Like there is an extra layer of that because you do find out kind of why he works the way he works. I guess. Um, in either instance, he's the Terminator. <laughs> he's very hard to kill. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, I will say, well, there's one moment in the manga. And I don't know if it's incorrectly translated by Keith Giffen or if it's part of the original text. So I'll preface this by saying that. That I kind of love in the manga that they don't, that he is not in the book. Um, it's the same, but he's basically the same character more or less in the manga as he is in the book. He was in a car accident, this time as a small child instead of in utero. And uh, his family is very wealthy and so they have all these resources to allow him to learn these things and do these things. And... Uh, he suffers three different fates in the three different mediums. So we mentioned before Shogo kills him in the film by shooting his collar with a shotgun. Noriko is the one who kills him in the book in the, in the manga Shuya kills him. So depending on which one you're reading. So Shuya shoots him like right here and it like, you can see the bullet hole and it like comes out this way. And when Shuya hits him in the brain, it clicks back on. Yeah. In the manga. And he feels everything. And he literally looks up at Shuya and says, Shuya, I feel, and then dies. And it's like, it's it's pretty over the top, but it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Like, like he immediately has regret and feels horrible about all the things that he's done. Yeah. It's so sad and so brutal. Anyway, I kind of love that. Like a deathbed moment. Like when your whole yeah. life flash forward. He's like, it's all the bad things he's done and he finally feels them. Yeah. All at once. That's cool. Yeah. Kinda it's kind of sweet. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's one mo- moment in the manga that I think really rules. Um you got a preference, man, on Kiriyama? You got do, do you like the film version better? Do you? No, I'm 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 so I'm so boring. I've caught pretty much a movie other than no, I've caught pretty much chalk movie here, and it's not that I don't like the book. I think it's just because that portrayal is so burned in my brain, and that look and that visual of him, and just his his character design as well is just kind of so burned in my brain. I it's can't so cool. It. I, can't. I know it. I know it. Uh, that <laughs> yeah. that shot is so iconic. Where he, in my opinion. And you know me, I I tend to I tend to go. I'm more of a no backstory guy. I like filling that in myself yeah. too, and yeah. it's part of the reason why. I mean, and it's the it's the old like you said, Michael Myers, uh, Rob Zombie versus John, John Carpenter thing. Yeah, where, kind of a show don't tell type. Yeah, show yeah. don't tell. So I I'm totally fine with him just running around like the terrorist, like a maniac. Being just yeah. super. He's cool. not good at shooting people in the movie though. <laughs> he just sprays that thing around. Yeah, um, but no, that shot where he whips like where he's wandering through the the flames and he's kind of in a daze and stuff and that music that oh oh that yeah that like chanting gregorian chant music and then like when shogo cocks the shotgun that shot where he whips around and you see the eyes with the blood for the first time that shot is like ingrained in my yeah it's so sweet um awesome he by the one is by the way is one of the two characters that gets in a dragon ball z fireball fight in the <laughs> that makes sense yeah totally um i'm gonna talk about two characters back to i was gonna back say do you want to do these because i was looking ahead a little bit let's do these at the same time you think yeah um i was going i, I had this in a, on a wonky order and i want to change it up so let's let i want to get that can we do the teacher and the authority figure oh, okay first? okay can we do that talk, first yeah I, I wanted to talk about um if you're cool with it maybe we talk about chigusa is it chigusa and hiroki yeah sugimura? I, uh, yeah i want to do them as a pair as well yeah, yeah. i think let's, that's so let's way. let's do let's do chigusa and, and sugimura first oh so okay. we've got takako chigusa and hiroki sugimura uh they are 
Chigusa is not... They're not a couple, right? No. He's just... He's kind of... I don't want to say he's obsessed with her. Well, so they've been friends since he's they were the young. what the kids call a simp, maybe. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> they've been friends since they were young, and she's very much in love with him, or became in love with him at some point over the course of their friendship. He's in love with somebody else. Okay. And his goal the entire game, and luckily he has a, like his weapon is like a GPS, basically, that reads the colors. His goal during the game is to find her... And tell her how he feels and that he loves her because they're best friends and stuff. And then to find uh, Kayoko, who is the girl that he really is in love with romantically. Okay. Um, I will come right out and say right out of the gate, I think both versions ver- versions of Takako Chigusa work. I don't have any sort of preference either way. She does not is not in either the book or the film for a long amount of time. I think it's very impactful, mm-hmm. the stuff that she does. Um I think the actress rules in the movie. I think there's a reason why Tarantino brought her over for Kill Bill, because like she, her facial expressions tell everything you need to like. Right. She's so good. Um, and when she's confronted by uh, Kazushi Nida, who is the male student who basically wants to rape her, um, and is even more aggressive in the book than in the film. Yeah, he's very straight up like saying like I'm going to rape you mm-hmm. in the book. Um, whereas in the film, he's he never quite gets that far in the film. He's certainly creepy and lecherous and dangerous, but he never quite gets to that level. Um, but in either instance, she's a badass, and she <laughs> she fights him uh, almost to the death. I mean, she kills him in, the, in in both instances, and he dies hard in those in the movie. That when she comes down on him and right in his uh, private area, yes. With a knife? Yep. It's rough. Um, And then if I remember right in the book, she gouges out his eyeballs with her thumbs, and as he's blind, she then stomps repeatedly on his testicles (laughs) until she feels him pop, and then he's still alive. Well-deserved on both occasions. Oh, yes. He's a piece of shit. (laughs) And then she takes a knife, or no, it's, um, it's an ice pick, which is her weapon. Yes. She takes an ice pick and shoves it up through his soft palate in his mouth into his brain. He gets it for as bad as he gets it in the movie, which is bad. He gets it really worse in the book. Right, like, it's like overkill. Anyway, um, it's kind of a badass moment. But anyway, uh, Sugimura Hiroki, who is searching for her, um, is a character that I I one hundred percent prefer the book version of. No question. Okay. Uh, in the movie, he's the one in the movie where he feels completely watered down to me. There's nothing. Because we get none of his backstory and we get, he just comes off as like, there's nothing more to him than I just want to find this. Like, That's kind of what I was talking about. I really want to find her. Yeah. The, he's kind of, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's kind sap. of a weakling. Yeah. yeah, he's, yeah a, he's kind of a weakling. He's got a, <laughs> he provides, he's a he's sap. Like, he's like, uh, he's the Rivers Cuomo of this movie. Oh, goodness. He is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah okay in the book there is more to him in the book in the well night. he's a mar- he's like a martial like he's a martial arts expert like right. that's his passion and like there's a couple moments where he like kind of fucks up Kiriyama if I remember right where he like fights him off like hand to hand um and uh, Mitsuko at one point he fights off hand to hand stuff so like he's a lot more uh able <laughs> like, yes. like I, I buy him as like like he just he just kind of wanders around the movie. And the chapters um, that revolve around these two in the book are a little bit more romantic, if I recall they correctly. Feel, the, you feel more of that 
that re- that yeah the relationship makes more sense to me i would agree it, yeah it doesn't so much i think the scene between them is good in the book the sure. major scene in, the, in between them i think it works but i think yeah i'm with you in the movie i should say yeah yeah and i i know a lot of like i've uh, everybody i've ever watched this with always chuckles at the um the moment where she goes like can i just say tell him one more thing and she goes you look really cool hiroki yeah <laughs> but like and it is funny but like that's what a teenager would think. Yeah, like, I've always kind of like. She couldn't bring herself to say it. Like, so she's like, you look really cool. Yeah. And he says, I think you're the coolest girl in the world. And I think it's really sweet. I, I like that part. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think her death scene is really impactful. I, like for a character you barely spend any time with, you really feel it, I think, when she, when she goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he does eventually find, he meets up with like all of our leads at some point and goes like, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Never mind, like, teaming up. We gotta go. Uh, and he uh, winds up finding uh, Kaoko, and she winds up shooting him because uh, she doesn't trust him. And uh, that's why, by the way, I prefer the the um, thing between Keiko and uh, Kawada in the previous game, why I prefer the book version where she he already finds her dead. Mm-hmm. Because I just feel like there's too much repeating itself with Sugimura finding the girl he's looking for and her shooting him. Right. You know, it's just, it, it happens twice and you're kind of like, okay, like I get it. Yep. Um, but it's a sad, it's, it's sad in both instances because like he, even when he's dying, he's like, get out of here. Like I, you know, like I'm like, I want you to survive. And in the book, obviously there's this whole subplot about we're going to burn two, two fires if we get like lose each other and and Hiroki was told about this plan to meet up so he tells as he's dying he tells Kayoko like hey get out of here and burn two fires and listen for the whistle and follow it and you'll be safe like so yeah. he like he spends his last bit of energy like making sure she gets out which is really sweet and right. there's a sweetness to it and there's a tenderness and a and an innocence and a very uh a very puppy love aspect to it. I feel like, I don't know. And I kind of, it's kind of sweet. It's very John Hughesy, um, <laughs> in a violent way. But, uh, I do love in the book when she's kind of kneeling over his body and like, what have I done? Kind of thing. And she says something like, um, God, I think she says something like, you know, Hiroki, I just want to stay with you. And yet something like that. And then like, the last thing she hears is Mitsuko behind her saying, then die. <laughs> and then she shoots her in the head. It's so mean. It's so mean. Anyway, um, I don't know. Any thoughts about this? I mean, he is a no, sap. Yeah, I, that's, yeah, I think we kind of covered both of them. Or I at least did, yeah. Right. What were the, you want to talk about the teacher? You want to talk about the authority figures let's, next? Uh, let's let's uh, let's. Ju- I want get, to get make sure we spend time on him. So let's, let's take okay. care of that first. In the book, we have Kenpatsu Sakamochi who is a government stooge yes who has been brought in to facilitate the games uh because the teacher hayashida uh in both versions protests what they're doing to his class and is killed for his troubles right um kitano is the authority figure in the film and he is uh somebody who taught them back in the seventh grade so they have a history with him and uh he is he left the school after he was attacked kind of by one of the students and wounded and is now coming back and kind of pissed off um, (laughs) about it. Uh, Tim, what do you think about... We we touched on it a bit. Yeah. Kenpatsu Sakamochi 
What are your thoughts on him first, this book version of the authority figure? So he is more of a, he's kind of a mustache twirler. He's just kind of mean and nasty. Really? He feels like a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah, he's just kind of nasty in the book. He, like you said, you called him a stooge. That's a good way to describe him. Mm-hmm. I am a, This is one of the characters I'm a little bit fuzzy on, um, but I remember him. That's what I recall mostly is he's just a nasty piece of work. And he's beyond, like he's not just doing his job, which it always feels like a Katano's just kind of it's, doing a job. Yeah, it's, he's not interesting to me. Katano's interesting to me. Yes. And some of it's the performance by uh, Takeshi Katano. Who, who, by the way, did you, have you, you've seen him in something else. Oh, for sure. Recall? Well, I've seen him in, yeah, I mean, he's Zatiochi, of course, the blind swordsman. Oh, that, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is uh, on Miss Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. I've seen, he's been in quite a few things. The, yes. uh, which, which, of course, the original show, the original game show that became most extreme elimination uh, was called Takeshi's Castle and he was the host. Yes. So okay. <laughs> kind of fun. Anyway, um, Sakamochi is insane and he goes beyond like he becomes everything the author hates about authority and grownups and people in power. He lumps it all into one character and gives it a face and that's Sakamochi. He's not even a character. Yeah. Moments after we meet him, he is like slobbering, and I think it's described as him like drooling a little bit, and describing how he violently—he's bragging about how he violently raped the headmistress of the orphanage because mm-hmm. he thought it would be fun. Yeah, like this is cartoon. Rob, Rob Zombie. It's Rob Zombie. <laughs> yeah, he would he would approve. Um, with Kitano, just the performance has a has that like you said that there's a sweetness to it there's a, a sweetness there's also kind of a weird like an off kilterness to the whole a thing too goofiness so like almost. there's there's moments towards the end where he's just out there like doing like stretches and calisthenics it's amazing <laughs> so he's just he's just doing like pe stuff. like he's a pe teacher it's incredible <laughs> um and of course the bit at the end with the the squirt gun he is yes there's a dryness to his humor too, and the, when he does those six p.m. announcements and stuff too, I can't remember. Like I <laughs> should have wrote, I should have wrote that down. But it's basically like, hey, it's like he gives this like dry, like, hey, keep, keep doing your best out keep there. Keep your heads up. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like Sakamochi's like like trolling them. He's like, hey, Shuya, your friend is fucking dead. Yes. Yeah. Like I prefer like, this version of trolling much better because he's, he's doing the same thing. But he's kind of <laughs> just tired too. I think. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's his job. Like he's not he's not that passionate about his job. No, Sakamochi's too passionate about his job. He's that guy at work that you're just annoyed because he he keeps like raising his hand when the boss is asking questions. Oh yeah, so, oh yeah, <laughs> and he's always like overly involved in all like the the Katana. company gatherings. Because Tato's like me, just showing up, yeah, <laughs> just showing up. Is there pizza? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, <laughs> is the coffee good today? Yeah, nah, I love I love Katano. I love to catch Katano in the role. I think he's really really great in this. I really 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 do he left that teacher um, life after he got stabbed up. don't blame him there either yeah he got out of there yeah, he got I out would too well the getting was good <laughs> um and i love that his his kind of grand finale uh sakamochi gets a good he gets a pencil i think through the yeah. eye i believe or through the jaw uh kawada gets him which is which is nice i like that moment on the boat where i do like the moment on the boat where sakamochi is like basically interrogating kawada without actually like asking the question like how did you like he yeah. knows that the, he knows that Kawada broke into the system. He knows that Kawada has uh let Nariko and Shuya out of the collars and let them free. And so he knows all this, but he wants him to say it. There's this cool like back and forth I like yeah. that I like and you never know who has the upper hand at first there. 
And then, of course, he gets a pencil through the throat, I believe, which is so good. Because mm-hmm. it's so sad. Because that guy sucks, and you're so satisfied. <laughs> Kitano's death is just sad, like, and kind of funny, too, which is kind of <laughs> which, Kitano. That's his character. Yeah, <laughs> sad and funny. Um, the the suicide by squirt gun is like, it's every, t- once again, every time I've ever watched this, somebody, they're like, what? And I'm like, no, it's really sad. Like, like he forced them to kill him. Like, yeah. he had no intention of, like, that was his whole plan. Like, it's silly, yes. But, like, it's also kind of sad. Like, and, the, and the final cookie thing is pretty funny, too. And he gets up after you think he's dead and goes and sits on the couch and eats one more cookie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so good. <laughs> anyway. Um, love Katano. Not so much Sakamochi. Um, anything else about these guys? Nope. Uh, yeah, covered covers that in there. Excellent. There's a couple more uh, teen characters yes. that I want to get into. Yeah, there's one we should definitely talk about a little Mitsuko. bit. Mitsuko. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> Because I know she seems to be amped up in the manga for what I've seen. Oh. She's my favorite. She's my favorite female character. Um, well, Mitsuko rules in the sense that she like doesn't give a fuck. That's why she's my favorite. <laughs> um, whereas Kiriyama was made numb and lost all of his empathy by uh, pure accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, by in a way, by nature, I guess not nature, but you know what I mean. Like like he had no control over it. She was numbed she's and made the, into a monster by nurture. She's the nurture, yes. Correct. Now, different backstories in the not both awful in the novel and the movie. Yes. Yeah. In the novel, she's like sold to be gang raped, correct? Yes. By her, her mother sells her to a group of guys in like a warehouse. Yes, and then starts recruiting other teenage girls to prostitute for her. She's basically a madam. <laughs> right. For teenage girls. Um and she uses sex as a weapon. That's that's what she does. Mm-hmm. And in the film, she's also kind of sold by her mother to like a pedophile yeah. but she, kill, she kills him by pushing him down the stairs at a young age is that her um, is that her uncle i don't know okay i thought it was some relation to her but it, I could it could be, be wrong there but okay. I, it's an older man who should not be alone with the child yes. <laughs> uh and yeah um i i really like mitsuko i will say there are probably some elements of mitsuko that are might be considered by some to be a little problematic. Yeah, oh, I should clarify. The reason I like her is because she has a sickle, and I think sickles are sweet. Yeah, it's, it's a little mini one, too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying. She That's just, why I there, hesitate, but no, she's the coolest to there, me. There is an element in all versions of the, like, the abused or psychologically or physically abused, particularly female child, who becomes a crazy person because of yeah, it, whether right. it's like overly sexual because of it or violent because of it or whatever. She's kind of all of these things. Um, she, she does get the most kills though. in the movie, or I think both. Kiriyama right? gets the most kills. She's right behind. Okay. Yeah. I think she gets the, gets the most. she's most the female with the most kills, I guess then. Yes. Mm-hmm. She does a lot of work. Um, I will say right away, this, this, her in the manga is what, made me go i don't really like this yeah, it's too much you can t- i mean just the illustrations it's that's too, the, that's it's too whole, much what i'm talking about it's, with that, yeah. it's too much there's there's a point i'm not no i'm not going to talk about it it's disgust. it's actually pretty disgusting and I, I like i understand manga is its own thing and and but i was i actually reached the point where i was like this is gross yeah like there's nothing i skipped a few chapters because i didn't want to read it it was right. just disgusting to me so um i don't know i don't think it's yeah wasn't for me anyway 
the book version of Mitsuko, like all versions, you certainly get more backstory and you certainly get more of her internal uh, internal monologue. In the movie, she's a lot more like Kiriyama where she's just kind of a like a monster. Um, they do give her though this the sequence. I mean, they do give her her own separate, which is great, sequence. and I love that. And yeah. so you do get an understanding of why maybe she was set down the path she set down. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right though; it does it is cool that they did. It almost works that they didn't give him a backstory because of that whole nature versus nurture yes. thing. Yes, yes. And I do love there are moments that the actress is able to provide you with moments of like. She is still Kiriyama's not human at this point. He's not. He's 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 a he's not human. He's a machine. She's still human, and she still feels, and she's still in both versions. And there are two moments in particular that I love in the film where she's able to show us just a little bit of that humanity that's lying underneath all the violence and sex and growing up too fast and horrible things that have happened to her. Um, or that she's chosen to do, right? In certain situations. Right. Um, the first one I always think of is when she, just as she's killed by Kiriyama, there's this little bit where she says, like, you hear her voice over saying, like, I just didn't want to be a loser anymore. That's really sad. Mm-hmm. Like, this was her chance to, like, be good at something and, and, like, excel at something, as twisted as that is. Like, and she didn't wasn't able to pull it off. The other moment is actually in one of those Requiem things at the end of the film. And I think those Requiems are mostly kind of useless. (laughs) But I love the moment. It's a basketball game. Yep. And their team wins. Shuya is playing and and some other people are playing. And their team wins. And Mitsuko's kind of off in the corner by herself where you would expect that character to be. Kind of lonesome and doing her own thing. And as the team wins and people are cheering and shouting and stuff, she kind of jumps up like all excited. And then she almost realizes like, I'm not allowed to do that. Yeah. And like leaves. It's really sad. So I love those little subtle bits, right? I think they're great. Um, With the book version, we get a a sequence or a, a chapter or two where she spends some time with two male characters, students, who she comes along with towards the end of the book. And one of them is this really sweet kind of nerdy kid who um, he's just a little nerdy guy. Mm-hmm. And and uh, he's really sweet to her. And it's she almost, I think she says it, thinks at one point, like, he's being nice to me, but he doesn't want to sleep with me. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Like, which is really sad, too. And, like, at the end, she winds up, um, after he's badly wounded for by protecting her she winds up kind of killing him out, out of mercy instead of killing him out of uh, a need to win or vengeance or anything like that um, and she feels you can like you get the genuine emotion from her of like this is the first time she's probably had any sort of like human connection uh, ever right <laughs> so that's I think that moment's really good unfortunately in the movie they aren't able to dig into that too much I think we get that the most we get of them is like I think she's like getting up and getting dressed after walking away from their naked corpses. So I guess it's assumed that she... Yeah, I was going to say there is a brief... Uh, yeah, very I, brief. I recall it from the movie. It's a, there's a very brief... And there's a lot of that, and that's fine. Yeah. But I really like that segment in the book. Um, she has a sickle, Tim. That's why, yeah. You love sickles. That's why That's why she's my favorite. Does she get your favorite kill in the movie? Is she your favorite? Like, does she... Is it the slice with the sickle? That is good, and it's probably one of the more... 
memorable. But honestly, I think we touched on my favorite. I don't even know if it's a kill, but it's the, it's the kid at the beginning who's next. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I hesitate to call it my favorite, but. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, last student I want to talk about, last character I want to talk about, uh, Shinji Momura. You take this one because I, for the life of me, do not remember this character. He's the escape plan guy, right? Shinji, yeah. I don't remember specifics okay. about this guy. I remember him from the movie, but in the movie he just kind of shows up at one point and he's like, he's the dude that's going to help. Yeah, Shinji's cool looking in the movie and like he's, he's, he's kind of hip looking. He's got spiked hair and he's got this plan that they kind of go through. He's, once again, it's like a, like a very Cliff's Notes version of the, of the book and Probably for good reason in this case, because I think a lot of Shinji stuff in the book it gets kind of boring. <laughs> I like Shinji in the book. He's like the ladies' man, like star basketball player. All the girls like him. Uh, he's good he's at the, being a hacker. Yeah, he's the uncle. Or his his uncle, uncle was a was, spy. Yes, and he's got this plan to like hoist a homemade bomb using a balloon above the school and he's going to drop it on the school and blow up the system so they can remove the colors and stuff and the plan is really cool and i like all that stuff he's working with his buddy his friend but like it doesn't like um it they just keep going on and on about it and i just don't like i don't care about the schematics of how they're going to float the balloon and the bomb up like i just can we get to that part like there's a lot of for like filler with Shinji, I feel like. And then like about halfway through the book, Shinji Shinji gets killed much earlier in the book than in the film. The film he's like the it's like right before the yeah. final shootout. In the in the book it's like halfway through and it's like a gut punch because he feels like he's gonna be one of your like lead Yes guys. Yes. And then he's just killed and you're like and, and, and by Hiriyama and you're like Now I remember that. What? Yeah. Um Because <laughs> yeah, when I was reading the book I was surprised because yeah, I remember the movie version of him who sticks around until the end. And like in the book, I, I remember I was I was almost thinking like, wait a minute, who is this the same guy? Who is this? That's guy? not the guy. <laughs> who yeah. is this guy? <laughs> and he's very he's a big part of that first half of the yes. book. But he is that gut punch character that I think you need to like up the stakes in the after the first half where you're like, oh, like they're gonna kill he's anybody. The Samuel Jackson and Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, 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 kind of. I like Shinji. Like I said, the bomb building stuff gets kind of boring for me in the book, if I'm being honest. It just, they just get too ingrained in it, and it's kind of like, all right, let's get to the... Um, but I like Shinji quite a bit. I think the book version works better for me personally, because you just get more of his backstory with his uncle being... Uh, um, having uh, been a kind of a freedom fighter uh, throughout various countries and stuff, and like teaching him all these things. And... Um, I think you get more emotionally attached to Shinji in the book. And I love the fact that he's killed halfway through. Yeah. Because it's like, like I said, it's that gut punch. In the movie, we check in with him a handful of times and he's cool. Like he looks awesome. And you're like, you're, you're like, you're, you're betting on him to make it happen. And so it's still a gut punch when he gets killed, but it, it doesn't, because of where it happens in the book, I think it just kind of hits you harder. Right. Um, in my opinion. So yeah. Cool. Awesome, man. I think that's the characters, right? That's like everybody in that we, I think, all the big characters. Um, are there any sequences in either the movie or the book that you, uh, probably more likely the book, which has more stuff in it. Are there any sequences that, you're, yeah. that you wish were in the film? I wanted to bring this up. I don't even know if it's I wanted to... I want it in the movie. It's just a funny part of the book that is not in the movie. So it's chapter 70. Okay. Okay. And it is, what's the name here? I'm looking here. Oh, Mizuho Inada. Mizuho Inada. Female student number one. I should say she is also in the movie. You would blink and miss her. Um, She is one of the two girls on the beach 
they just pan over to her and her friend stabbed to death fighting over a life preserver that, in that one shot in the movie. <laughs> this this chapter is three pages long in the book that I'm holding. And this is like... It's, we're it's like, 500 pages into a 600-page book. So like we're way towards the end, and we're down to like, what, five students? Five students, five students remain, because yeah. at the end of this, there are four students remaining, and it's because, and it, I guarantee you, it's because he lost track of, of how, many, kids how many kills he had, and he goes, shit, I've got to... Excuse my language. I gotta um, kill the kid. I've gotta kill one more. I've gotta kill one more kid. He does. So I get, I Dude, that is exactly book. why that chapter is in it there. It rocks. It doesn't affect anything else <laughs> no. in the in, in the book. She never interacts with anybody else in the book. You forget that she existed. You just like, go like, wait, there's five left. Yeah. Like what? And then he like he kills her. He's like, I gotta get it in and I get out on this. He kills her in three pages, and it's the meanest death. Yes. It and it almost it, so it's almost like. So it almost works though in the way that it's just it is just kind of like this random mean death that just occurs yeah that happens in in life it just yeah kind of, I mean, it, it just, just kind of happens it's kind of happens you're like oh I guess that person's dead too he gets weird with it though like he makes her like this weird like religious zealot yeah and like she's like fascinating that Kiriyama is a, a demon that she's gonna slay and then he just shoots her without looking at her <laughs> so mean <laughs> I love it um. One sequence that's in the book, and I don't know how you would translate it into a film, but I really wish it was there because it rules, um, is there's a sequence where there's a character who's a friend of Kiriyama's in the book who's following him throughout the game, and his plan is he's going to let Kiriyama kill all the other kids, and then when it's just him and Kiriyama, he's going to shoot him in his back or whatever. Yeah. But Kiriyama's like, like way onto this guy. This guy's a dumbass. Like, but he thinks he's got it figured out, right? Yeah. And... Kiriyama goes into an outhouse, and this character's kind of laughing um, and giggling about the fact that, like, oh, even he has to pee, you know, like, and he hears the him peeing in the outhouse, and it's going on for, like, way too long, and I should mention there's these danger zones in both the film and the book. If you get caught in a danger zone, once it turns into a danger zone on the island, your collar will blow, so it yeah. forces the kids to get closer into each other so that they can have a final kind of oh my gosh i need to mention bath. the real yeah um takeshi's painting i love it he did that he painted that and he it was not it. he was not asked to yeah <laughs> he painted it and i love the painting it's just it's kind of cute it's got a cool yeah and, yeah um i really i've always wanted to get a print of that but i'm like i can't really put that up anywhere right. like you know what i mean it would be a cool thing to have though it'd be cool to have yeah yeah, yeah i guess he just painted that like unrequested and then like fukisaka was like this is amazing we're putting this in the film yeah Sorry, the Forbidden Zone part reminded yeah, me. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, Back to your this story. character show is following Kiriyama, and and he's he's taking a long time in the outhouse, and he opens the outhouse door, and there's a water bottle that's been hung from a rope, and it's dripping into the, the outhouse. So he's tricked this character into thinking that he's peeing just long enough to for the character to get into a danger zone, and... Like the last, the bit in the book is like Kirama walking away. It's like a cool guys don't look at explosions <laughs> thing. As he hears like the collar pop in the background. It's so mean and it's so funny. Um, yeah, that character is another one that's problematic. But I think the character's gay in the book and he's written a little bit. There's a little bit of that where it's a little over the top to mm-hmm. me, in my opinion. The manga... Woo! Is it pretty, is it pretty it's real? too much. It's another one where I went, this is just too... I, I, the manga seems like it takes everything and amps it up to a level. Buddy, <laughs> yeah. it's too much. Um, 
anyway, so yeah, that's the sequence that I'm kind of missing from the book the most, I guess. Um, would have been cool to see a car chase too on the island. That would have been kind of sweet. But I get why it's not there. I'm okay with that. I can live without it. Um, overall, I just, I, you know, I think that ultimately this is a perfect example of adapting a book to a film. Okay, are we going to go right in? Let's uh, like, yeah, we can go right into what we like better. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, sorry, continue then. No, 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 I was just going to say, I think this is a perfect example of like, like this, this is how you do it. You take the best elements of the story. Mm-hmm. You know you can't adapt 600 pages of, of text into a two-hour film. It's not, you can't do it. So you take the best elements of the story, you streamline the elements that can be streamlined, and you keep the tone and the spirit, and hopefully the characters relatively you know relatively intact this is how you do it in my opinion and i think oftentimes you wind up even surpassing the source material in certain circumstances we talked about jurassic park i think there's certainly elements of that film that surpass the book no question because you have to uh you have to kind of root out the best elements of something so i think this is another great example of adapting a novel in my opinion yeah, I would agree with that. I I think I prefer the movie, but that's uh, I always I always land. I'm like one of those weirdos who lands on the movie a lot of the time. But um, I, I think with the book, and I like the book quite a bit. And this is the first time I read it, and I'm glad I read it. I think with the book, especially when it comes to adapting the movie, this is a very tough book to adapt because it's so shaggy. It yeah. is a book. I think this is the only. Is this the only novel he's ever? That's written? it, man. This is it. What a movie. Uh, I mean, what a book. What a work. Yeah. To to have out in the world. I think it's great. The yeah. thing is, though, it it does kind of it is there is a shagginess to it. Mm-hmm. There is, it is. So you have those. Uh, plot driven chapters that are mostly built around the main trio and then you have those weird like interstitial chapters that yeah are, that are action heavy or that are just kind of short stories and i it's don't interesting yeah i don't know how you do that in a two-hour movie which is what this is now i think you could make now in the day of streaming kind of an interesting streaming tv okay. show that focuses on each of the characters their backstories maybe even kind of like a, i have not watched squid game yet I uh, okay i was just gonna say I was just going to say, Tim, and you're not one to go make it into a TV show. Yeah, this is you've you've got on record as saying like you're like. Oh, but I think I, before like there even, are like even I, with this, like I'm perfectly satisfied with this. Yeah, movie. oh yeah, for yes. sure. Yeah. but you you said before I think uh, in the past like we oftentimes you feel like that we're stretching shit out that doesn't need to be stretched out. I think TV is similar to film in that it's a visual medium. Obviously, it's yeah. similar to film. I think part of the fun of and part of the point of reading a book is losing yourself in a world and a bunch of characters. Yeah. It's tougher for me to do that in a TV show because like movies, it's a visual medium yeah. and I'm I am paying attention to the visuals. Sure. Like that's that's what it is. I'm not I'm not in this own world all the time. I'm not transported in like I am like a book in some ways. Yeah. But I would agree with you. I think that this would be, and pe- some people, uh, some people can uh, can do that, and that's part of the why we've seen this big TV boom. Is mm-hmm. people people like that get it's, lost in the and TV TV has become like putting books on screen now. But <laughs> yeah, but it, I'm yeah. just saying it's not it's not necessarily for me all the time. It's, I agree. No, I agree with you. I, I'm the same way. I have a hard time with TV shows these days. I do. I just can't. I can't get myself invested enough to stick with stuff. I, right. I, I find ones here and there. Like Squid Game, I really enjoyed. Um. Uh, but I, I, I wonder though, with the fact that a a Korean show has been embraced the way it has, 
with dark, dark subject matter and a lot of similarities actually to Battle Royale in terms of what it's doing. I have to wonder if like could I I, I wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked if one of the streaming services decided to like back a a new Japanese production of a Battle Royale ten episode series. I would not be shocked. Especially, this feels like yeah. a no brainer to me personally. Like especially when we've had a, a huge blockbuster franchise here that was inspired by in the Hunger Games. She never read those. <laughs> but but I mean, and it is what it is. I, it, no, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, no, the Hunger Games is a, is a different story. It's yeah, it's different enough. But she but was obviously, I, I think, inspired by. It had to be. Yeah, I don't yeah. buy that she didn't read that or see or at least see the movie. Yeah. Like she knows of of yeah. this work. I guess like you're right. Even then, in but I do want to bring it back to full circle with like our first experiences with Battle Royale because we both had similar experiences where this was like one we had heard about. And we had to track it down. Like, it was forbidden fruit. A it was bit. forbidden fruit. Yeah. Now, and I think this is one of the advantages to kind of the world we live in today and streaming services and all those things is the world is a lot smaller when it comes to, when it comes to works of art, you have, you have more access to things that are not in your country and people are more open, I think to experiencing stuff from like works from different countries or maybe even different languages, different that are stuff that's subtitled stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, there's more of an openness and there's more an availability to that now too. And I think with squid game, that's a great example as well. And I think that's why something like this could work and not even because weren't there for a while, there were remakes there was like a remake kicked around for this for a while. Am I correct? They were going to do an American remake, and then I think it just it, it, the the mixture of hesitation because of uh, you know school shootings and stuff like that. Yes, and also I think of when, once Hunger Games happened, that was it. There That's was another never going to happen. Right. If there's a new version of Battle Royale, I hope it's a Japanese production. Right. I don't want an American battle. Ro- I don't think it'll ever happen anyway. But yeah, I don't think so either. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I want the the actors to be Japanese. I want the characters to be Japanese. I want it to stick true to culturally, uh, nationally, what it was. But I would not be angry at, at it if if you were to if tomorrow they were to announce Netflix has decided that or Netflix has picked up a ten episode or eight episode adaptation of Takami's novel, and we're sticking truer to the novel, and we're going to give you all the stuff you didn't see in the film, the backstory, and you could have, like, episodes that maybe spend 10 to 15 minutes talking about a character who's not overly important to the overall narrative, but, like, you could have a whole episode that's, like, about one of those students, and then it ends with the student getting killed, and that's, like, you could do a lot with it, I think. I think one of the shows that I'm thinking of now, and I would not be surprised, because I know it was, uh, Lost was definitely inspired by Lord of the Flies, Oh yeah, and yeah. it was, and I'm sure there may be elements of Battle Royale. Battle Royale was inspired by Lord of the Flies. There's no way it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so I, that's kind of what I'm thinking of with a TV show, is where you have that main plot that's driving it along, but mm-hmm. you can still do those kind of flashbacks. Absolutely, to, to Fla- build that character, yep. uh, characters up much like Lost did. Yep, flashbacks and and um, kind of one shots, right? Mm-hmm. So why not? You know, let's say you got a, a ten episode season of a show. Episode five could be the story of uh, the the gay student who follows Kiriyama to the outhouse. What's the show we really like? Uh, Black Summer is a little bit like that sometimes. It does too. that. Yeah, Black yeah. Summer does that. And Lost did that too. Once yes. again, go back to Lost. 
Uh, remember Nikki and Paolo? One, honestly, that episode rules. Maybe one of my. It's my top five. I think it's in my top ten. Yeah, yeah. it's it's one of the because there. I'm. I was gonna say it's my favorite. It's not my favorite, but as no. far as like standalone like show, like it's, it's one coolest, of the great episodes. I love that episode. It's <laughs> so good. Um, but that you know what I mean. For those yes. who don't watch Lost, it's a standalone kind of episode. It's fun. It's great. Um, don't go and just watch that episode because you won't care. But um, yeah, no, I would, I would, I would definitely be down for kind of an updated battle royale in that format I yes think. so is there anything else you want to talk about battle royale wise no the yeah i guess uh, the like you said the nice thing about it too is i think it covers a lot of the same ground thematically which is yes. good i we talked about a little bit about the softer touch i think in some ways that the movie has and i think that's important when it comes to it because you need to differentiate so you need to have a reason to exist and adapt and you need to mm-hmm. put your own spin on it and i think i think the director does so yeah i do think that the the certainly the book and we, we've discussed this kind of through the characters like the Thematically, the book is a lot more about that anti-establishment. Like, uh, it's a lot more about government. Big government is bad and scary, and yeah. you know, they're evil and and whatnot. Like, it's a it's a lot more focused on that. Not like it's not anarchic, but it's like it's definitely anti-establishment and anti-authority. The movie does that too. But I think the movie tends to be more about um, kids versus grownups. Yeah. It's simple, which I guess in some ways is kind of the same thing. But it's simple, like many things, it kind of simplifies it down to its root, and it's 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 like the the freedom and and uh, fun of youth versus the. It's the it's, coldness. And, it's a little bit more sympathetic, though, to the older generation. It is, and you know, but it's also it it's also just kind of like it's someone saying like, yeah, it's just old people are kind of sad. Like we're just kind of bummed. Kind of a bummer. <laughs> you were kind yeah. of bummed. Like you kids are so much. Cooler. They're probably always going to be a bummer. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, no, I I think both versions are really really. I really like both versions. Um, and I think if you haven't seen if you haven't seen the film, certainly check that out. Uh, the book, I think, if you enjoy the movie, I think the book is definitely worth reading. I wish I I kind of wish I would have flipped how I watched these. I wish I would have watched the movie and then read the book after. I think. Oh some, yeah, because I I just I think it would have been a cool way to do it because of the way it fills in the blanks a lot. Of I time. did book and then movie this time. Okay. Which I was not sure how I was going to do it, but I decided to go that route. Yeah, I think I would have. I, I if I were to do it over again, I would have just done movie book. For, yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, cool, that was fun. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, yeah, good. for sure. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, we have been multimedium. That's yes. what they say the Apple Store, right? I've been Jeff. <laughs> Isn't that? You're, I've, you're, you're, I've never been in an Apple Store. So they do this thing. I don't know if they still do, but they did for a long time. Yeah. Um, where like. Your Apple genius, the mm-hmm. person who works at the Apple store, mm-hmm. they call them Apple geniuses. Okay. They would come to you and like, you know, they had a name tag and stuff. That says Apple genius on it? It's a, yeah. Yeah. And then like Apple Jeff. genius time. <laughs> and like, they, ha- they had the sign off where like when you're done, you get your phone fixed or you buy your new whatever and you're done. They have to, they have to like see you out by saying like, I've been, I have been, I've been Jeff. What a weird, what an Apple fucking thing. To what do. A, now you want to talk about dystopias? Go to an Apple I've store. Been, I've been Todd. 
Thank no, you for coming. I've no, been Todd. No, you are still Todd. Bro, Todd. you're still Todd. Is that your real name, dude? <laughs> what are you outside of the store? Yeah. That always freaked me out. Who are we really, though? It's spooky. Anyway, it's some Isaac Asimov, uh, <laughs> Philip K. Dick stuff. Good Lord. No, I have never been in Apple Store. Now I will never go in Apple it's Store weird. For, for fear of losing my it's, humanity. It makes me very uncomfortable. It's all screens and like... It feels like a hospital with a bunch of tablets in it. I don't know. Anyway, um, Tim, what are we going to do next, man? I don't know. Okay, so what have we done so far here? We've done... Oh, boy. We've done Resident Evil. But we've done video game to book. We've done video... In- Holy... Yeah, we have. That was Resident Evil. Yeah. Um, we've done video game to book. We've certainly done book to movie, which is probably the most yeah. common thing that we will bump into. I almost just started listening to our we've show done- on our show. By the way, that was fun. Yeah, we did. We just did video game or movie to video game. Have we done? Oh, we did a comic too. We did comic. Our to first movie. was yeah. Our first episode ever was Turtles, which was to comic to movie. Mm-hmm. We then went to Resident Evil, which was video game to book. <laughs> we did board game to movie with Clue. Oh man, we did do board game to movie. Yep. Yes, we did book to movie with Jurassic Park, movie to video game with the Warriors, and now another book to movie with Battle Royale. So what haven't we done? Well, I had an idea. Okay. And we don't have to do this this time. Okay. This is an oddball, a little bit of an oddball one. You know I'm an Alien fan. (laughs) We've talked about this before. Uh Uh-huh. So, there is an unproduced screenplay by William Gibson, great sci-fi writer. He was asked by 20th Century Fox to write the screenplay for Alien 3 as a follow-up to James Cameron's Aliens, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, and I think it's up there for you, or you're a fan, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, Aliens, not Alien 3. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, I was trying to keep track of you. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> William Gibson was, was hired to write the screenplay. He wrote it. Obviously, they did, not, they did not shoot that screenplay. They wound up having about nine screenwriters do different drafts of this thing. But... Recently, William Gibson's Alien 3 script has been adapted okay. into like multiple formats. Okay. So we kind of have our pick of the litter here. Okay. okay. Let me explain this to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run it down for you. Okay. His original script has now been translated into a comic book by uh, Dark Horse. Okay. A radio drama. Okay. Starring... Michael Bean and Lance Henriksen as Bishop and and Hicks. Okay. Oh, by the, by the way, the Battle Royale uh, audiobook is read by Mark Dacascos. That rule. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Did you listen remember. to this? No, I, what I was Googling earlier. How the novel, sweet do you think it is, though? <laughs> I, sorry, I kind of want to listen to you it. You bringing up the radio drama just like popped that back in my mind. You brain. know he kills it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no question. Sorry. So, um, radio drama. A radio drama. Okay. With uh, Michael Bean and Lance Henriksen reprising the roles. Okay. And most recently, it just just came out last month, I believe, a, a straight up novel where okay. uh, a sci-fi writer, a current sci-fi writer, I forgot his name, uh, Pat Cadigan, took the script and wrote a novel around the script. So like expanded on things, original stuff. A lot like what Daniel Krauss did with, with Land the, of the Living or Dead. With Living Dead, yeah. Where he took the bones and created his own stuff on top of it. Okay. I would love to do this. I'm a big Aliens fan. I, I, You know, I have a weird relationship with Alien 3, the film. Yeah. 
my question to you is, how, what do we do and how do so we do So that's it? what I'm... Okay, so I'm going to put this out there. Yes. I don't want to do the novel. That's fair. Because I don't want to go... I don't want to read another like novel to... So yes. would this be comparing the screenplay to something? Or would it be comparing the finished movie to... That's the trick. Right. That's the trick. So I would be leaning just because it's, it would be... if. But uh, that's the thing is like... Is that Dark Horse comic available? I don't know if it's on... Uh, is the radio drama available? Yes. Okay, where's the radio drama available? The radio drama is, I believe, on Stitcher. Um, let me just check and make sure. Okay. And how long is it? Are we talking here? See. I guess it's just the screenplay, though, right? They're just reading the screenplay, so it's probably only a couple. Hours. No, they're not. No, they're they're like there's like sound effects and like music and score. Oh, and right, but it's yeah. it's only a couple hours, right? Yes. Okay, so it's just the screenplay. It's not the yeah. Let me see. So that yeah, the only I'm sorry, it's through Audible. It's Audible. Yes. Okay. So okay. I think you have to have an Audible right. trial or something to to uh-huh. do it. Okay, uh, so it would be. That's okay. So it'd be. The I know it's tricky. There's so many different yeah, ways so, to go about it. I would say you have to start with the screenplay. Okay. Don't you think? Yeah. That's the original. The original, or do we go crazy and just say, "Here's the Alien Three movie, and here's what we could have." I don't know. That feels a little bit. It's not really an adaptation. Well, so. the only thing about comparing a screenplay to that audio drama. Yeah. Is they're just it is the screenplay, right? Yes. So there it's not like they're it's not like it's, it's tricky. a I know. finished film. I know. It's how do you do it? I, that's my thing. Then I, I, I think don't... what we do, I think I think what has to, what it has to be is I think you have to do the finished version of Alien 3. Okay. Right? The the Fincher film. You have to compare that to what we would have gotten. This okay. is tough. Yeah, this it's is tough, tough, man. Because maybe then the actually maybe you're right though. Maybe the angle is screenplay to audio drama because then you can right see or or because that's kind of like how said, we do. Or, or if you want to hold off and we could do a screenplay to the book later on down the road and do something different. Screenplay to novel because he expands on it or whatever. Screenplay to novel. Right. Okay. If you prefer to do that. I think the, nah, I know a, you want to you know, do this, um, but I think that would be the better route. I'm just hesitant to jump right into another book. Jump right into another. That's novel fair. See, this is, guys, this is teamwork here. <laughs> this is what we do. I'm okay with doing that. Maybe next or okay. Yeah, I want to do something maybe a little bit lighter. That works. Yeah. So, but now I have no suggestions. <laughs> well, you know what I was thinking of though is maybe we do. Um. Because I was kind of thinking maybe we do a toy property or like a cartoon property. I have the right and, idea okay. for that. Okay, perfect. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We are going to take the original toy line Okay. of Masters of the Universe. Okay. And we're going to talk about the canon film... Masters of the Masters Universe, of the Universe okay. starring Dolph Lundgren and Frank Langella. And here's the here's what we got to dig into though, Tim. We got to do our work still. We might not be reading a book for this, but yeah. we're going to go we're going to do it right. Here's what I want from you. Here's the homework I need you yeah. to do and the homework I need myself to do. We're going to look at that original line of He-Man/Masters slash of the Universe action figures. Okay. And just like I want I want to look at the 
I want to look at the back cards of the action figure. This will be perfect I want to see if the we back get this story. around Christmas time, too. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I want to see the, the back story that's on the back of the toy box. I want to see uh, the original He-Man, He-Man toys came with little comic books, I think. If we okay. could find scans of those or something, that'd be kind of cool. I want to get into the, deep into the lore of the original run. This is good, too, because I've been wanting to watch the entire Kevin Smith He-Man that's coming out, too, so I'll probably knock that out. I'm going to go He-Man crazy now. Yeah, okay. and then I think what we'll do is, I would love, to be, because I want any excuse to watch Masters of the Universe, the film, I think we'll go with the toys up against the, the film version. We could do toys I'm go- to Oh, I'm good with that, yeah. But I don't want to sit there and no, watch the No, I just cartoon. meant as like maybe some extra credit. I will exactly. Be, because there's a Marvel it. comic too, right? We'll do our research and we'll figure this out. Now, now with the toys, is there? There's a toys that made us a base around. There is, Masters which would be fun to watch as well. I think I have watched that. There, yes, on Netflix. If you'd like to do the homework ahead of time, you could watch the episode of the toys that made us. Which honestly, watch them all because they're great. Yeah. Um, on Masters of the Universe, it's a very fun episode on a very fun show. Yeah. Well worth checking out. Yeah, I like the toys that made us quite a bit. And harass Netflix for season three because or season four because we need it. Um yeah. I even let's find do that. The, I even find the stuff, yeah, the, the toys I never played. Oh, Hello Kitty? Yeah. That episode was sweet. <laughs> Did you know Hello Kitty's not a cat? <laughs> She's a British girl who dresses up as a cat. Really? Yeah. yeah interesting. True story. Okay. Okay, so, so that's what we're gonna do. Okay, so I sorry guys. Yeah. You went through that journey with us, but we I mean, you know, full transparency. At some point, we're doing some version of Alien 3. It will happen. This is much better than what we did on Horror Movie Yearbook, where I just said, let's do that Sean S. Cunningham space movie that you were talking about earlier. It's not in space, by the way. It's underwater. (laughs) Uh, Tim's like, I don't even know what we're doing. Um, It's got Sean S. Cunningham involved, which is true. This is is not good, because I think in the... uh, In the notes for the podcast, I said, I always put next time on Horror Movie Yearbook, I put Sean S. Cunningham in space. Sick. Even better. Well, I mean, some people think that uh, the deep, the under underwater, is much like outer space. It's, it's, it's maybe like, it's, more, it's probably. I mean, we found more life down in the deep than we did in space so far, right? So, uh, yeah, Jimmy Cameron. Yeah, he'll he'll be on it soon enough. Don't worry. Is Jimmy um, Cameron in this shot? As coming? I would not be shocked. <laughs> Sorry, we're we're. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. So next time we will be covering the Masters of the Universe toy line, the original toy line. We'll talk about our experience with the toys, the ones we might have had or not had, the ones we were jealous of our friends for having. We'll talk a little bit about the 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 backstory that was created for these this toy line because this is back when you would like build a toy line as an original property. It wasn't based on something. You would create the story around the toys, which is so much fun to me. And then we'll be talking about the the classic Dolph Lundgren Frank Langella joint Masters of the Universe. Yeah. Very excited for this. Tim, thank you for the idea. If you yeah. guys have ideas, please email us, multimediumpodcast at gmail.com. You can get a hold of us also on Multimedium Pod on Twitter. I just did my Chris Jericho impression. Twitter? <laughs> I just read his I book. I knew I'd heard that. Yeah, yeah. sorry. I knew I'd heard that. Um, yeah, he's bleeding through here. Um, <laughs> we're also on Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Thanks again, guys, for joining us, and we will see you next time. <laughs>